we're still in Clan Shoes World. We are? Yes. Oh. Unfortunately, yes. You tell um, me when we've been saved. I'll you? tell you whenever we move out of that, uh, take their particular realm <laughs> into something a bit more sane. But uh, as of now, still, the Clan Shoes hasn't, uh, and Neil's got his yet. <coughs> Clan Shoes hasn't stopped. Uh, it's getting worse. And Neil's got his Christmas sweater on. <coughs> Let's go. You're a fan of somebody called Brandon, I see. Yep. That's good. Yeah. Let's I like the look, you know. Brandon. It, uh, yeah, sounds good. It's kind of Christmassy now. It's a tradition at this point. It's a modern tradition, but it's tradition nonetheless. I think it's been three years, we mm-hmm. can call it the tradition. <coughs> um, yeah, you know, getting in the festive spirit, um, mm. which I'm not really feeling these days, but who is? Can't blame people for not. I think there's a lot of people out there feeling festive. Ah, stop. I think there are, yeah. Yeah. I think but so. But they're trying to, but... Yeah. Do they really? I don't know. Yeah, it's different, maybe. Um, ignorance is bliss. Things carry <clears throat> on by inertia, too. But mm. What else are you going to do? Like, people aren't just going to stop. Like, something would have right. to inter- interfere or intercede. intercede. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, I don't think we're going to be too long today because really there isn't very much that's new um, but um, apart from what like I said just continued uh, lies manipulation distortion of truth clown shoes type stuff uh, that is amazing that some you know that well maybe a lot of people do see it I don't know Only the, obviously you have to be paying attention to actually see it right oh, if, if a lot of people aren't paying attention then they're not picking up on it you know they don't care it's not their job. For most people, it's not their job to 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 be kind of stewards of the planet in a certain sense. At least, if only from a from an information point of view, you know, like to, to keep an eye on things and to to participate in that way. Most people, that's not their job. That's no. not the social social contract. Is government does that? Yeah, it's John oh, Kerry's job. Yeah, and we just go on, get on with our, our lives. And so, I think most people are still and always have been in that in that mode. You know, um, it's too much too much hassle to to like pay attention to stuff and. Think about stuff, you know. Got enough to, they got enough on their plate, you know. Um, without having to do that as well, you know. So, um, possible, well, but exception that proves the rule, maybe, but um, some more riotous behavior in Ireland this week. Can I cover that first? Yes, go ahead. So, um, you remember there was a riot about four weeks ago in Dublin, Ireland. And um, Irish government and media told everyone internationally the story was a fringe far-right minority in Dublin had just gone mental and burned a few buses and cars down in the middle of Dublin City. And they were upset. Well, they kept this part on the, on the QT, but they were upset because earlier that day there'd been a stabbing incident where it appears that a guy stabbed, well, he didn't appear, he stabbed um, several kids, three kids, I think, and two adults, one of whom was a teacher and a caretaker. Um, I think the update, no one died, but <clears throat> one of the children is still in intensive care, I think, possibly in a coma still. No one really knows because there's been absolutely no update on this. But there kind of was. There was um, alternative media, kind of like Ireland's Breitbart, gripped media did have some info on this that initially gave us some, let's say, international traction. Um, you probably heard about this, that they kind of ID'd the guy. 
And they did that on the basis of a leak from Irish police, the Gardaí, to them that it was an Algerian immigrant. And they kind of gave some other data that suggested they could pinpoint who it was. And so they think they found him and so published what info they had, what's publicly available about this guy. It turns out to have been false. At least what happened next was the Irish police said, no, no, we never said that. And so Gript was forced to completely retract the whole story. And so officially at the moment, no one knows who did it. <laughs> it was, and it, they didn't quite say it was not a foreigner or a, quote, naturalized Irish citizen. Um, they didn't deny that it probably was of Algerian background, et cetera, et cetera. But they did specifically deny that they'd ever said to Gript who this person was. And then that was it. In the four weeks since then, there's been almost no official update on this. They had said they're waiting for him to get better in hospital, and apparently he is better now to begin questioning him. Mm-hmm. That was about two weeks ago. Nothing. Anyway, you, you can see right, this is the part, this is why like people are angry. There's no absolutely no talking. This is why people also come up with conspiracy theories because well, they have to theorize about something. They're not getting information. They're not getting action. They're not getting. So it's inevitably erupting in other ways. Anyway, you remember that the gist of it was: it's only a fringe. Don't worry about this. Europe, Washington, everything's fine here. No, really, it's just a few people. Well. Four days, three days ago, um, in a totally different city, really in the countryside outside the city of Galway in the west of Ireland, um, someone maybe locally announced, maybe the announcement came from Dublin, who knows, um, the following, that a hotel outside the city of Galway was to be used to house, quote, 70 male refugees which immediately, uh, yesterday, attracted a protest outside. In fact, the protest was immediately set up a checkpoint. <laughs> they basically blockade. You couldn't get in, and, uh, in or out of the driveway to this hotel. Um, I don't know if there's any images there, but they chainsawed a couple of trees to make sure no one could get in and out of this. That's the picture of the hotel, or now former hotel. So um, that was yesterday, and things escalated very fast because... This morning I woke up to the news that the hotel was burned to the ground last night. Play that there. It's the Ross Ross Lake House Hotel in Galway. You can go ahead and play that. I think there's no sound in. Not sure. That's the annex to the back. That's definitely been torched to the ground. Don't know if the old building itself is gone, but it's just a 20-second clip of the footage. And um, <laughs> now they have a serious pickle on that. I was like, yeah, so it's a fringe far-right minority, just, you know, some yobs in Dublin and some locals out in the countryside in Galway. And also, in the meantime... Um, another place that was earmarked was a Leitrim village, another small rural place in the north of Ireland, north central. Uh, another place that was earmarked there, massive protest and basically roadblocks. The people had a town's meeting and they set up their own roadblocks. They're not letting people come. Buses full of refugees slash migrants come in. <coughs> uh, in addition, there was another one in Ballyshannon. That's in Donegal. In the last year. Um, the announcement that people would be housed in some maybe hotel or another facility was uh, sparked a town meeting and they said no fucking way. Mm-hmm. Um, local 
TDs, that's MPs, turned up to try and convince them, and they doubled down and no, it's not happening. So, they, well, there's also the, the context of this is is throughout that link there, Scotty. Um, is this that we should remind people of back in um, this is May poll? Nobody's dis- disputed it. Three and four people believe Ireland in Ireland believe Ireland is taking too many refugees. That's more than six months ago. Uh, the government was put on notice that you know a large majority of the population think there's too much uh, refugee immigration, and um, well, um, government just went screw you, lad. Yeah, which has happened a lot these days around the world. You know, people, governments seem to be, you know, to the extent that some uh, a certain segment of the population actually have an opinion on something, the government just says screw you. Um, the responses to this on social media are gold. Um, this is the state broadcaster publishing the news today that the hotel was burned to the ground. Um, if you go, I, I, maybe it won't appear the way I saw it, but if you scroll down, I think the first response, yeah, 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 the first one. You never know when climate change is going to strike. What's that? <laughs> oh yeah, you never know when climate change is going to strike. And there's, well, another, there's, there's more. There's like there's one further down. I think. Want to have go ahead and scroll? Maybe you'll see it. It says, um, "I heard that building wasn't vaccinated." And uh, yeah, there's another one that's like, oh, "Hang on now, Putin must have had something to do with this." It's just like wall to wall, just. No one's saying anything. Now, mm. they're, they're, there's going to be arrests. Now, surely there's photos of people who were organizing the protest. They'll obviously be, be hauled in first. Um, but the, the, what's interesting is, the, at least visibly here on X, on one social platform, the, the sort of uh, overwhelming display of solidarity with, not, not with the act of doing something that's illegal, obviously, but... Um, the, the had, sentiment had, of had this house been had this house been inspected by the fire officer? It seems it was unsafe. <laughs> yes, great responses. There's more, but there you go. Um, it, it it's it's great because it's not again. I don't want to act like I'm, I'm condoning this, but it's it's so symptomatic of it, it. It's great in that it completely blows away the the narrative that they're pushing and pushing and doubling. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see the, the response to this. Do you double down again and just go with far-right fringe lunatic conspiracy? <clears throat> There's been a shift. It's the smallest shift, but it might be a crack into something that becomes much bigger. Well, you can't bigger. go... The, yeah. Sinn, Sinn Féin is... Sinn Féin leader, which is the... In theory, it's the anti-establishment populist movement party in Ireland, but there's a big catch in it. It's super lefty. Mm-hmm. I'm on board with the WEF and mass immigration and everything. Mary Lou um, MacDonald has said, maybe it's time to open up the national conversation mm. about this well, issue. Well, like I said, they already had it on a poll. 75% right. said too much, you know. It's, it's too much immigration. And it's, obviously... That narrative that it was far right, the far right fringe, or whatever, is is not true because again that poll and there's no reason to disbelieve it. Seventy five percent of the population uh, and this immigration has been going on for quite a number of years, and people have had enough of of this excessive immigration in their small Irish towns and uh, 
you know, cities not so much because it can be absorbed to a large extent, but um, obviously there's people in Dublin uh, who are against that. But in, and you get into smaller rural rural villages where you're really changing the demographic significantly. If you bring in only, you know, a few hundred people. Um, they become it's, a minority. It's, yeah, it's obviously, I mean, it may be a small, it's obviously a small fringe, not not of that opinion, but there's a small group of people who are willing to take to the streets and burn hotels and, and, and burn buses and stuff like that to make their point uh, make their point heard. But um, when 75% of the population also agree that there's too much immigration, there's not going to be a lot of uh, people amongst that 75% who, you know, they might say, yeah, well, that's taking it a bit far or whatever, but we, you know, the general sentiment of being uh, stopping the levels of immigration is, uh, is something we support. So the majority of people support um, Something, something. To be, something to be done to stop immigration. Yeah, and not even and if stop the government, it completely, just to have some control over it. over it. And if the government refuses to do it and says, well, they're just going to have to live, what's it, more or less said, you're just going to have to live with that, we're going to continue to bring in immigrants and tough shit to, to people, then, um, then there'll be more and more support for those kind of more militant actions because uh, that's the only thing that people are left with, you know. Um, um, there's, you know, uh, those who make peaceful evolution impossible make violent revolution exactly inevitable. It's true. Um, JFK. This is just swinging to Ukraine for a second. The majority of Americans oppose more U.S. aid for Ukraine in war with Russia. This is an, an article from CNN from August. You know, uh, but yet they double down on it. You know, so it's like. What people think apparently just is irrelevant, you know, um, and that's always been the case. And governments have always, you know, for, to a large extent, you know, got around it. If they didn't like what people thought, then they would just kind of carry on and do what they wanted to do anyway. But you know, that's a dangerous proposition to continue to do that when people start to really suffer in one way or another. And they haven't really started suffering to a significant degree um, in Western countries yet. But when they do, the government better think twice about just saying, "Well, you know." Sorry, but your suffering is just something you're going to have to learn to live with. You know, at that point, then you get much larger protests and, and, and violence in the streets. You know, when you push people to to a limit, you know, people people aren't built. Uh, well, at the moment, yeah, yeah, at the moment, they're they're sticking with gaslighting, which is mm. sorry, you don't have a voice because you're only a minority, mm. and that's that's kind of made people go. Oh, it's the social proof issue. You know, maybe mm. maybe I am. Maybe it's me. Everyone else is fine with it. Mm. But there's more and more evidence comes out that actually most people around see it as I do. Mm. That's not going to work anymore and they'll mm. have to adapt. There's um, just one talking about clown shoes and, and the nonsense that's in, that passes for official reality, basically. Uh, this is, I just came across a couple of articles, both in CNN, within a few days of each other. This one... <clears throat> Uh, it's on MSN, but carried from CNN. Russia has lost 80% of its troops, of troops it had oh, yeah. prior to the start of the Ukraine war, according to U.S. intelligence assessment. Now, when you see according to U.S. intelligence assessment, generally speaking, that means it's a lie. But anyway, and you know, we don't need to just assume that because it's obviously <laughs> out of their own mouths, basically. But the interesting thing about it is that Russia has lost a staggering 80% of the total number of active duty ground troops it had prior to launching its invasion. Um Still, second paragraph, still, despite heavy losses of men and equipment, Russian President Vladimir Putin is determined to push forward. So even though he's only got 13% of his troops left, he's determined to push forward. That means he's going to fail, right? Um, As it approaches his two-year anniversary. Uh, A highly anticipated Ukrainian counteroffensive stagnated, blah, blah, blah. The next paragraph, this assessment sent to Capitol Hill on Monday 
comes as some Republicans have balked at the US proving, providing additional funding for Ukraine. Now, that's the money paragraph right there. That's why this yeah. headline is put out there. It's part of the Biden administration's, like we talked about in the last show, Biden administration's attempt to uh, prevent Russia from doing what it very soon, relatively soon, is going to do anyway, which is actually, quote-unquote, win uh, or officially win in Ukraine, because that would look very bad for the Biden administration in uh, an election year. So this they would be they would be they would be disqualified. Biden would lose next year's election before it had even the campaigning had really begun. If it turns out that he had presided over two years uh, of losing, of losing basically, and and pretending that he was winning. Um, so this is the CIA stepping in to say, "Hang on, guys, we're winning." Yes. Just we're almost there. 87 percent, thirteen to go. Give him the money. Yeah. Except um now this is the amazing the amazing thing I don't know how people don't make any sense or have any faith in the media. The amazing thing is that so that first article about losing eighty that they'd lost eighty seven percent of their troops, it was three days um It was just three days ago. But in April April this year, Russian ground forces were bigger, are bigger today than at the start of the the war in Ukraine, according to U.S. General, someone basically on the ground who maybe knows. But so you're expected to believe that because it was Russia that... So what happened since April was that... Ukraine has, since April this year, Ukraine has been steadfastly basically losing. That's when the losing really started started taking over. You know, Ukraine's losses and, and losing big time. Losing bigly big, uh, started, began, because at that time there was going to be an, a, a spring counteroffensive. There was no spring counteroffensive. Um, it had to go into a summer counteroffensive, and the summer counteroffensive ended in them getting nowhere and being decimated. So in that period of time between April and today, you would, you would assume that they lost more or less. Russia had to have lost. While it was winning, it lost 100% roughly of its, of its ground forces. Two questions. Um, Is bigly now an official word in the English language? I don't know. It might be. And the other thing, just oh, another, another, another juxtaposition here, out of this, and this one's within a few, few days of each other, so it's the first one again, which is... Um, Russia has lost 80% of its troops. It had prior to start the Ukraine war, according to an intelligence assessment. And then, so look at the dates, December 12th, December 15th. On December 15th, three days later, Western officials warn Ukraine is certain to fail against Russia if the US doesn't provide more aid. Um, Get, so how, are you, how, are you, how, are you, how is Ukraine going to fail if Russia has, lost, has only got 13% of its troops left? Can, I'll try and square it. Play, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Russia has lost 87% of troops it had prior. It had prior. They probably, well, you tell me if I'm, if I'm right. Do they mean that the, the troops they positioned, the 115, 20,000 they positioned at the beginning, so February of 2022, 87% of the 115 are gone. But thanks to mass mobilization and reinforcements, they're still dominant in Ukraine. But 87% of 115,000 is, they're claiming 70,000, 80,000 deaths. Or which more, is in 90, the ballpark 90, of what 90, they have 000. claimed. No, well, well it's not. No, it's, it's, about, it's at least twice as, as many as, uh, uh, or 
than, than the Russians have blatantly lost. There's fairly accurate stats from from relatively independent sources showing that uh, the, the, the attrition rate or the the kill rate between Russian and Ukrainian troops is somewhere as, as fluctuated somewhere between. But it's it's you, you, if you put it at ten to one, you wouldn't be far off. Yes, that's in the real world. But in in CNN slash intelligence assessment slash bullshit group think land, isn't there the the figure they go with like half a million Russian dead or something? Like they've yeah, convinced themselves. If, if you Google yeah. it and pull it up, the yeah. most the, the first return you'll get will but be. Just, but that's just more lies. Like, but that's just more lies, and it's, and it's exposed but by this the fact lie that is consistent with the lie factory overall picture they've been giving. Except that's it's not. It's, it's completely counter, counter contradictory because, like I just showed you on those two articles. I mean, how do you account for the fact they've lost? I mean. <laughs> They've lost eighty-seven percent of the troops. What does that say? We're winning. We're they're losing. You know, and like in the even in the article, it said despite this, uh, Putin is determined to push ahead. Uh, blah 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 blah. And then the CNN, the same um, news outlet, uh, puts Western officials warning Ukraine is certain to fail against Russia if the US doesn't provide more aid. So, I mean, which is it? I, I mean, what are your headlines conveying here? Russia has lost eighty-seven percent, but Putin's going to push ahead with this. Ill, mis, misjudged victory that he's it, getting this Ill, ill-advised victory that he's going to yeah, have and, 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 and he's lost 80% of his troops that's what people read from the headline then three days later Western officials warn Ukraine is certain to fail so how can the country I think it's because if, if Ukraine is certain before. to fail then Russia is certain to win which means that Russia can't have lost 87% of, of, of its troops And I mean okay maybe there's a technicality where if you look at the details but the overall point of, of that is to try and convert present the image that Russia is, is losing. While at the same time, you're, you're seeing outlet is presenting that it's, that, that it's Ukraine. That's because losing. you want to get this built. You want one last hurrah. Mm. You want one last push. Yeah. It's not a great push that you think will win the great war. It's one last push for the armed contractors in mm. Washington. Exactly. And the well, kickbacks. And well, so it's, it's that, and it's, but it's more <clears> than that. I think it's, it's they, they're trying to find a way to keep it going, uh, albeit on a very reduced uh, scale, like the Ukrainian military keep it keep it propped up so that it appears at least through next year and this is the worst thing about it is that they are, they'll try and drag this on through next year so that biden doesn't appear to have lost a war yeah 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 how do you how do you create a reality when within the greater actual reality that's imposing itself it's going to get worse the the way they try to manage the you know mm-hmm. but they're going to get really creative as well that's the thing you have to keep an eye out for It'll be really flagrantly, obviously, bullshit to us, but you yeah. know, it, <laughs> it still has to be like countered because people were like, "That seems contradictory," but I'll go, I'll go with that. Um, I mentioned last week that um, the IMF had forecast that Russia's growth this year would be three percent. Mm-hmm. Putin, uh, for what it's worth, has said now it's looking to be three point five percent. Remember, it was supposed to contract by about three percent, mm-hmm. so it literally went the opposite way. Um, uh, the Russian side, I don't know how much weight to give this. I, I, I ran it past you. You're like, yeah, whatever. They could be just, he may not be someone in the know. But the last time I remember something like this being mentioned by someone high up in the Duma, it did produce results. So um, someone on the, like the equivalent of a Russian Duma defense committee has mm-hmm. said that a major offensive is coming. Mm-hmm. Ah, no shit. It's coming at some point in some form or another. Um 
but specifically this, this is a named person, so not an anonymous source, Lieutenant General Andrei Gurulev, who sits on the Defense Committee in the Russian Parliament, says that Russia is preparing a major offensive against Ukrainian forces to be paired with a large-scale missile assault on the country's critical infrastructure. <coughs> mm-hmm. um, and that it's all not just, you know, a general alert, but he says the breakthrough areas are identified in the governing documents. Mm-hmm. Our commanders know this thing well, blah, blah, blah. And of course, the usual caveat, where exactly and when is another question. So... Yeah, there's uh, there's some could, could be over winter. Winter obviously doesn't stop Russians from there's there's some. Um, let me just look it up here. There's some you know evidence that they're expecting that. Of course, because if that's if that's planned, if there is something along those lines, some kind of a you know what we would expect that maybe <laughs> some people have expected long before now of, of Russia going in and just you know. Bigly. Taking bigly and taking Ukraine, um, the the Chernihiv um, Chernihiv Chernihiv. Well, look at you all up at the names. Uh, That's uh, on Ukraine. They've been fortifying that area. There's. Th- you know, recently um, uh, in Chernihiv, which is basically um, northeast. Yeah, it's just above. The thing is, the interesting thing to me was that it was, it's directly above um, Kiev. Kiev. Along, Kiev. Uh, so they've been, they've been fording, fortifying the border because uh, it's just above Chernihiv. That's um, it's. Um, it, it's, it's, there's the border it, with Belarus, Belarus and Russia along there, and recently they've been adding extra fortifications mm-hmm. along that border that Ukrainians have in order to, because you know maybe. But that's the direction the Russians came in the first time. Yes, as well, and, and it obviously would be the the main way that you'd come uh, via uh, to get to Kiev. You know, in the event of some major you know attack on the infrastructure, or some you know shock and awe type situation, and then some maybe. At, when they've decided that there's really isn't much in the way of Ukrainian uh, soldiers or manpower left to kind of um, to defend or to, to push back against to provide any, any significant resistance, that they could just basically march into Kiev. You know, I mean, so that's the scenario that a lot of people would have expected to see or hoped to see, maybe depending on your perspective. Uh, you think it's, now that, you're, you're predicting 2024? That's that's on the cards. No, I'm just saying if that's what if that that, that Russian um, politician dude who's saying that there's some major attack that, that that might be part of it, you know, that it wouldn't just be a standoff, major missile barrage, but that it would no. be followed by yeah, what, yeah. like I said, what people have, what people claimed Russia should have done, or others were, you know, you know, uh, mocking them for not having done, which is just have all your Russian soldiers march across the country, take Kiev, kick Zelensky out. Install a new government and then take all of Ukraine. Basically, you know, obviously not realistic. Yeah, but wasn't realistic two years ago. It's maybe a bit more realistic now. And strategic when, air campaign sounds like it could be euphemism for what Putin has been preventing them from doing so far, mm. which is you know strictly limiting airstrikes to actual military, military hardware personnel, etc. Strategic air campaign sounds more like disable the countries critical infrastructure in a big yeah. way yeah. 
and then move in. In, in advance of a, of an actual invasion, yeah, like a proper invasion. And of course, yes, that would be much more plausible now, assuming that uh, it's accurate that you know Ukraine has lost the significant, let's say, large majority of its actual of its fighting force of its of its soldiers. That six hundred thousand that were built up uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, NATO trained that most of them are gone in terms of being either killed, missing, or injured, whatever, just no longer combat capable. So, um, at that point, certain point, you think if this goes on a few more years and there's really are no more, really no more Ukrainian soldiers available, the Russians would decide, well, you know, now is a good time to kind of like just march into the country. We're not going to, we're only going to meet uh, sporadic, we're not going to meet any resistance, really, you know. Um, and before Poland gets there first? Before Poland marches in first. They'll march in on the West, yeah. Um, if that happens, yeah, you'd have the Poles march into the West. Poland, Putin did another marathon public presser. Uh, it's been a couple of years, actually, since he did it. Anything of note from that? Um... No. I didn't watch the whole four and some hours. I love how the media, Western media is like, nothing to see here. It was all scripted. Um, very boring, actually. I literally saw one British tabloid report that nothing happened. <laughs> but, mm. <laughs> hello, context. What Western leader has ever done that, you know? There were two million like questions thrown on. I mean, well, there's a, a pool of two million questions. I, I suppose these things are more and more controlled. There were some messages that got up on screen bitching about the state of things in Russia and when are you going to fix this and that. Obviously, there's negative stuff too, and they capitalized on that. I mean, West West would always be looking for the negatives in Russia. Yeah, um, the, it, was interesting. it probably is not a free for all like it used to be. No, because they barely talked about Ukraine. There was an interesting commentary after the fact. He gave a little short interview to RT, and he he was asked about uh, just about the. Russian US in particular or Russian Western relations and I give a, a short description of his own naivety about the intentions of uh, right. of, of, of the West you can have a listen here it's not all of this video it's just maybe the first minute or so go ahead uh, Russia has no reason uh, no interest in going to war with NATO countries uh, we have no territorial claims against each other no desire to spoil relations uh, we are interested in developing these relations here they dragged Finland into NATO did we have any, any uh, disputes with Finland? All disputes, including territorial ones in the middle of the 20th century, have long been resolved. We had good, cordial relations, economic ties were developing, there were no problems. And now there will be because we will create the Leningrad military district and concentrate certain military units there. Why would they need this? That's nonsense. The same with other countries, including those from NATO. We have no problems with anyone. Uh, it is they who artificially create problems with us because they do not want to have Russia as a competitor. Right, for further discussion. Um, yeah, cut that. We should add that he's responding to Biden, who, as part of the pressure to get mm. Congress to pony up, had just bullshitted everyone and said, if we don't give money to Ukraine yeah. now... Putin is yeah. going to win in Ukraine, and then he's going to invade NATO. Well, he's speaking. He's speaking to the. the, the there's a, there's another bit from him after after that. At about two minutes, we'll just listen to that in a minute. But uh, that first part was him basically dismissing that 
obviously, obviously false claim that, you know, if Russia wins in Ukraine, which it obviously is going to win Ukraine, that then it'll take, it'll, it'll move into <laughs> to NATO and eventually it'll come to the gates of Washington DC, right? It's just nonsense. Like, you know, yeah, the Russian hordes will be at our gates and stuff. Like, it's just bullshit. Like, fuck's sakes. It's just so tiring. But if you go, so go back to the bit I was talking about was actually, um, jump forward. Well, two, naive two I had the yeah. naive notion yeah. that the whole world, including the so-called civilized one, understood that Russia had become a completely different country, that ideological confrontation no longer existed, and therefore there was no basis for confrontation. When there was something negative about Russia in Western policy, I naively thought that it was just inertia of thinking. They are used to fighting the Soviet Union and continue to do so out of inertia. I thought it had to do with the energy of movement. That was a naive notion. The reality is, and I am 100% convinced of it, that after the collapse of the Soviet Union, they thought that such a large country was not necessary, that it was better, as Brzezinski, a well-known U.S. politician, suggested, to divide it into five parts and subjugate them separately so that these parts would have no independent weight, no voice, no opportunity to defend their national interests as the unified Russian state does. This realization came to me only later, and that is why the initial approach was rather naive. How can common ground be found when accusations are flying in from all sides? They will have to find common ground with us because they will have to reckon with us. So that, um, that's been, for, for the record, that's been furiously fact-checked in the West. What? That anyone in any position of authority in the United States ever claimed that Russia should be broken up into pieces. Mm. It was attributed first to Madeleine Albright in the 90s. Mm-hmm. There was a quote, and it was cited a few times, and then I've tried to refine it, and I don't find it online ever again. He, he said just there that Brzezinski... Yeah. I said it once in mm-hmm. five units specifically. Yeah, I, th- I remember that. I remember reading it in about one that of his books. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. in his grand chessboard. Book. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was definitely policy. You oh, know, um, that was a plan. You saw what they did to the Russia in the nineties. They came into Russia. They thought, follow the Soviet Union. They thought, okay, like this is over. We won. We've won the Cold War. Uh, Russia, the Soviet Union has collapsed, and now is the time to to make this country more manageable. Just like obviously, it would be in their thinking. Like we don't want a, 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 a kind of a secular non-communist kind of state to rise up over this massive territory with all its resources and its population. We need to split it up. We need to, we need to balkanize it. They've done it in the Balkans, right? So it's, it's, it's official, it's standard operating procedure for the American empire to, when the opportunity arises and, it, you know, it, it, and it's appropriate uh, to break up a country into parts to make it more manageable. That's obvious to us and Putin now, in hindsight. He, he did, that wasn't something he learned through the 90s. No, no. He, no but it, I'm took, saying it, it took two and some terms well, that's for him what he to was go. Saying, but that's what he was just saying. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what he was actually explaining there, was, that, only he in the was last decade. that he was naive to think. He thought that the, the negativity and the, you know, the, the, the snarky remarks and attacks against Russia in, let's say, the early 2000s after he came to, hmm. after he was first president, um, were just inertia, this, just inertia from hangovers of well, the Cold War. Yeah, they still f- were thinking of Russia as the Soviet Union, and yeah. that it would just give them some time, and they'd come around. But now, then he realized that no, these people are serious. They actually had a plan. What they wanted mm-hmm. to happen was that Russia should not be allowed to be a, a single unified country. We need to break it up into five pieces, yeah. and um, because that's how you rule the world, right? You can't have any major one major competitor or one or two major competitors if you can avoid it. You, you avoid it at all costs. Um, it speaks to that also presumably being the template for China with breaking up 
ideally Tibet and then eventually mm. Xinjiang as well. Mm. It's smaller manageable pieces. Hong Kong, of course, they're keeping the fires. So, yeah, um, it, it makes sense now. It makes sense now that we and many people are now informed about geopolitics, but we have to learn about geopolitics in the real, in the fulcrum of experience. It doesn't take you long, like, to realize when you look at America's, America's attitude towards yeah, ruling well. the world, it doesn't take you long to realize that these people want to rule the world and they'll do it by, they'll try to do it by force. Any means possible. Uh, by whatever way they can, yeah. Um, this one is another example of just, like, it's even, you know, talking about the will of the people. More Ukrainians, you know, the picture, just click on it there. More Ukrainians are ready for territorial concessions to Russia, according to a poll. Um, I think the idea is that it's, it's at most. But that would be something that the Russians are probably watching for timing. Yeah, as well. When we go in, how ready are they for this? Right. Because we don't want... You can imagine what, that was part of what they did the first time. Mm-hmm. They sent a lot of forays deep in and they got some pushback. <clears throat> and that kind of shaped maybe to what extent they were going well, to... There's also the military angle, you know, it's more important. But yes, the social angle as well, how the population, but uh, people tire of war. It kind of two go together, you know, after a certain period of time in a conflict. And if you're the whole, you're the, the nation that's been, in this case, invaded, um, the process, the, the, the timing and the process of attriting your forces down, if it goes that way where you're, you as a host country, host of the invasion, um, where your, your military forces are, are depleted down to the point where an, a, an invasion, a real proper invasion can happen. At that point as well, a lot of the population are tired of the conflict. Do you know what I mean? And depending on how the invading force presents itself, they're much more willing to, uh, to give things up. You know? I'll tell you what, when I saw the next item, I thought they're, they're ready. <laughs> now they're ready. This this incident, you probably saw a video of this. This went viral. This is somewhere in western Ukraine, a small town. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And actually, the guy who walked in on this meeting, which was being taped, recorded, um, was himself a member of the board. He's a councillor, locally elected official. Um, he walks in. The meeting's already underway. It's a bit tense. Who knows what's going back and forth? Probably something to do with conscription or subsidies or... Lack of whatever they, they don't have somewhere in, in Western Ukraine at the moment. Um, he set off three hand grenades. Just tossed them on the floor. Yeah. Just tossed them on the floor. He himself bore the worst of it. They, <clears throat> he may have expected to die. Um, he's a vet, so he's, he's fought in the front line. Um, not happy. Not happy. Murder suicides among vets are like notorious, especially after a war zone. A lot of people who lived through and survived the. The, the wars in the Balkans in the 1990s said they remember this because they, the, the vets would have different, often guns but also grenades <coughs> mm-hmm. um, to go home with as souvenirs and uh, a lot of them were set off usually because of yeah some grievance or they just snap PTSD so yeah Ukraine is it's about ready it's about cooked it's about ready for unregime changing let's say mm-hmm. given that the Americans have Whole position in claiming to have regime changed it already. Um, there's something else about Russia. Well, there's always something about Russia, but um, nah, it's just kind of tangential, isn't it? Talking about Congress um, and looking ahead to next year, the the thing you sent me that um, 
about this bill to prevent any future president from taking the U.S. out of NATO. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a tell, no. wasn't it? Here, here it is from the Hill. <clears throat> um, as you said, obviously this is to do with Trump. It, it's, it gives you an idea of how uh, what we talked about last week when um, Robert Kagan piped up in the Washington Post and said, look, guys, Trump is going to win next year. How seriously they're taking this um, this likelihood. Uh, Congress approves bill barring any president from unilaterally withdrawing from NATO. It sounds so neutral when you just read the title, but it, below they, they admit that it's about Trump. It's basically, He's obviously to this point, the commander-in-chief can decide foreign policy. Uh, thank you very much. But they change the ruling so that Congress has to vote by two-thirds majority to remove from the right. Trump. Yeah, I imagine Trump would just well, that anyway. The majority of Congress is in support of NATO, Trump. which is you know basically America's uh, imperial um, structure. And uh, majors And yeah, money laundering scheme yeah. uh, for kickbacks. And, um, this is war machine. So yeah, and what's also mentioned, actually, this, this is like, it, look at that title again. Congress approves bill. It sounds like the normal workings of, you know, somebody proposed a bill and then the members discussed it on the floor and went for a first reading. It's like, no, bullshit. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a bill. Mm -hmm. It's a clause, a paragraph inserted inside the effing NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, which has been rolling for 17 years. It passed again this week. Mm -hmm. the, the endless gift that keeps on giving. And every year they just tax shit into it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, this is another one. Uh, I don't know how this is. This is why Matt Gates rails about omnibus bills, mm -hmm. where they stack. You know, the bill, the actual law is is just this one, the NDAA, and it's reauthorization, and it's so large they have to bring it in, and the paper stacks up to the ceiling. Mm -hmm. No one reads it, of course. So you can just insert a clause in there, and boom, the next president, Trump, can't get the U.S. to leave NATO. Uh, sorry, it's, it's in the law. We just slipped it in last night in this huge stack of papers. Yeah, Gates is right. I mean, you can't keep going like that. That's not democracy. There's no oversight whatsoever. No one gets to read it. Yeah. Um, special interest, literally write the paragraph, get a staffer to get the senator to sign, okay, uh, thank you, you know, here's your promise, here's your campaign contribution for next year, and it's just stuck in the, sh in the stack of papers. Uh, that, that's not a bill. It's not a law. It's pure... Yeah, lobbying. Not right. even, not even lobbying. Lobbying makes it seem semi-clean. It's, it's buying. It's it's, it's it's the total subversion of the normal due process. That the people elect representatives, and the representatives propose laws and pass them. The representatives weren't even involved, apart from a signature. They didn't even read it. Next thing, they learned. They learn it on the hill, like the rest of us. Oh, did I just sign for that last night? Well, I'll be damned! You mm -hmm. know that, that's the, They're they're like outside. They're outside looking in as all the rest of us. Anyway, um, speaking of bullshit papers, COP twenty eight. That's amazing. It's amazing. It's the best thing ever. Um, huge, huge deal. Huge deal. I. This is yeah. Like clown shoes. I, 
the way they can get so excited about this, I, I think I know what's going on. I think I've, well, I have some idea at least how, why they kind of feign excitement whenever there's a, a great, you know, international global agreement and it, the agenda is saved. Direct COP28, aim. landmark summit takes direct aim at fossil fuels. That's the headline they wanted to mm-hmm. get. Mm-hmm. The, all the, the whole <clears throat> talking shop was geared towards just being able to get the BBC and all the other mainstream outlets with that headline. Of course, the BBC does its part. It puts in a picture of a raging forest fire. Scroll down. <clears throat> Nations of the United Nations uh, Climate Summit have for the first time, wow, taken explicit aim at the with, use of fossil fuels. With what? With like weapons or... <laughs> Missiles? Uh, no, Joe, pens. Oh, with pens. pens. No, with words, Neil. Words, even. The talks in Dubai came close to collapse, but in a dramatic turnaround, nations agreed to, quote, transition away from coal, oil, and gas. Transition away. It departed from earlier stronger language to phase out fossil, fossil fuels. fuels. So we're going to transition away. Not phase out. That's yeah. the only thing that changed. <laughs> yeah, that, that's important. That's a, an important distinction, you know, because, you know, when I transition away from something, it's good. It means I'm moving away, but kind of slowly. But I was, if I was to phase out from something, well, that's got phases, right? So I suppose the key here is the difference between transitions and phases. You know, because if you phase out fossil fuels, it still implies that there's phases to the removal, complete, like essentially complete removal of them. But transitioning away, it means you can still see the fossil fuels, right? Right. You're just a bit further away from them than you were. They begin to recede. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because phase out is kind of like we'll be closer to extinguish, you know. So you're not going to extinguish fossil fuels completely. You're not going to put out the flame of fossil fuels. But you're just going to step away from the fire a little bit. Yeah. You know, remove yourself, make it, take a few steps back. Yeah. And that's really, really important. That wording is really important because it means now that everybody will be transitioning away <laughs> rather than phasing out, which is significant. You know, it's significant. And we're going to see the real-world effects of this um, very, very soon. Yeah, 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 we are, mm. sure. <laughs> These tosses. They're very excited, though. About yeah, can, they're uh, going to save the planet with a lot of because hit. of this phrase. Scroll down a bit more. Remember, this began a couple of weeks ago when, of course, it's hosted by the UAE, an oil, petrol dollar major oil producing company, country. Um, onlookers fear of a conflict of interest seem to below when uh, seem confirmed when leaked documents suggested that Mr. Jaber, who represents uh, the UAE, had planned to use the presidency to strike business deals. Oh my God! Of course he did. Um, like business deals involving fossil fuels. <laughs> but his boss, the minister <clears throat> in the UAE, had said at the outset in his speech, um, or maybe it was just in comments in a press conference after. Anyway, it got attention in the West. He's like, if we're not phasing out fossil fuels, otherwise we'll all be returning to living in the caves. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that prompted Al Gore to throw a hissy fit. And said it was disaster. Yeah, it's kind of like what it's what actually was going on over that with the guy, the president of it, uh, the guy from the UAE. It's like it's like an it's like he was at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and he was selling beers <laughs> out the back. You know what I mean? So um, uh, they're all drinking beers. Mm. The point is, they're supposed to reach. It's it's a pantomime. The understanding is you reach the last day and we all clap and, yeah. and cheer on for, an agreed for the phrasing. media. For the it's news. so that the BBC the and the New York Times and CNN can say can make those headlines and case. say back to us the target here is the, the Western audience. Mm. They need validation from outside the other seven billion people uh, and all, all those other countries in Eurasia and Asia and Africa and everywhere else in Latin America. The West. Western leaders need their, their validation just enough to get the wording on the paper so that it's reflected back to us Westerners so that, we, that the whole world is behind this. Yeah, that we're all going this but direction. But it's not. It's not. So the, don't the be head surprised. Of the guy, the country hosting this event says it's not happening or mm. we'll all be living in the caves. He yes, basically... <laughs> but the message has been delivered by the BBC there that don't be surprised when there's no more petrol or diesel at your... At the at the at the station, right? When that's you go to another car, one. Yeah, that's it's it's get everybody get the like you said, it's aimed at the population. It's aimed at the population to get them on board with the idea of shortages, blackouts, or whatever, whatever, whatever needs to be done. But that we're going away. You're not going to have any more petrol or diesel yeah. or um or industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The opening, well, besides the host, the opening speech was again given to King Charles. Um, and he said again, um, so paraphrasing something similar to what Macron said. I can't, did he say it during the pandemic that the uh, the era, the end, the age of abundance is over? Mm. Just declared it. Mm -hmm. um, when Macron said it, it wasn't connected with anything. At least when Charlie here said it, he said it in context of climate change. You know, it made some kind of sense to people in mm. narrative makings. But that's that's the message. It's like they're declaring it's happening. Mm -hmm. Get used to it. And this, people maybe go too far with saying, oh, they're actually going to st stop mining, uh, uh, drilling for and shipping oil around the world mm. deliberately. That's not actually happening. If you look at like, the charts this week showing the amount of imports of Russian oil alone into the European Union, it's going up and up and up and up. The actual consumption hasn't changed at all. Mm -hmm. These people just need narratives. They need the appearance that mm -hmm. this is the way it's going in preparation for mm -hmm. an eventuality where there really is, there really are shortages. And so people have a go-to to explain why they, don't, they are without mm -hmm. food, fuel, transport, etc. Yes. They're hoping this stage <clears throat> to prevents people from turning on their governments yeah. and blaming them for it. You know, it wasn't us, it was the climate. Yeah. Um, there's... I mean, it's just, again, we, you know, we're not joking when we say that the whole thing's clown shoes. Um, so you have COP26 talking about, you know, announcing this, this great achievement um, of transitioning away from fossil fuels. But apparently, and maybe that's just for us, I suppose, just for us, because uh, Politico this week had a, an article, and this isn't new either. We've talked about this before, about how those, how about them sanctions, the anti-Russian sanctions, you know, where they're going to stop Russia from, you know, they're going to stop Russia from selling its oil and gas and stuff. Well, sanctions aren't working, uh, apparently. Um, how the West enables Russia's war on Ukraine. 
So the EU is pointing the finger at Chinese suppliers, but it's Western companies that make the most critical components used in Russia's arsenal, we- arsenal of weapons. Um, so there's that, and on top there's another one. Do I have it here? Um, the fact we were talking about it during the week um, about the, the Russian oil deliveries arriving at the Pentagon, basically. The Pentagon yeah. receiving large quantities of Russian oil to fuel the American military machine, I suppose. Because, you know, they're basically... <laughs> they're basically it's the shipping in... shipping of energy on the earth. They're shipping okay. in, in part, not only, but only from Russia, but in part from Russia. They're shipping in Russian oil into the Pentagon and then flying it back over to Ukraine to put it into Ukrainian... Uh, or American weapons or European weapons uh, that, that the Ukrainians use to fight against the Russians. Uh, all the while saying that we're sanctioning Russia and, and we're putting a cap on Russian oil and blah, blah, blah. It's just, the whole thing was nonsense from the get-go. Yeah. They knew it. They all knew it. And it was just, it's just, it's all propaganda. It's all just for public consumption. It's, oh my God. Um, the cynicalness, uh, you know, uh, the cynicism, sorry, of, of these people is, um, it's just mind-blowing. Um, Gaza. Um, I've, I've an opening one that puts it in chronology. So I, I complained last week that it had been nine fucking weeks and the Israelis still had nothing on who, how many, and mm. how people died on October 7th. Mm. They have finally said something. Mm. Um, oh, take the, took the time. Uh, ten weeks. Super dodgy. Um after 10 weeks, the Israeli government has declared an actual death toll from October 7th. Um, it's lower than 1,200, but it's close to what they had said last, around 1,200. Um, it's not opening. I have, I have it here, actually, I think. Well, it's from, it's from the same source. Um. I got it from Yahoo News. Oh, yeah? Okay. It's open for me here, but the their Yahoo, you know, just aggregates. They got it from uh, AFP, so yeah, it's the official word on it. I think the final toll is something like one three six nine people. One, no one one, one one okay. one one three nine. One all right, less than one one three nine. Uh, so they've revised it down. This is from New Arab News, and New Arab and uh, News. So total. Supposedly dead, death toll from the attack in terms of civilians is 695, uh, as well as 373 security forces, 71 foreigners, and that's a total of 1139. So they revised it down from an initial 14 to 1200, now to 1139. Um, most of those people, most of the civilians, probably all of the civilians, for, you know, give or take, but large majority of civilians were killed by the Israelis themselves um, because, as I've mentioned before, this was very likely a, a kind of an inside job, a setup to um, to justify what Israel has wanted. <coughs> Finally, create a final solution, push forward with a final solution to the, to the, to the Palestinian problem and they needed their, their biblical event 
as one guy called it, other catastrophic and galvanizing event in order to justify doing what they've been doing for the past two months. Well, is it two months yet? Yeah. More or less. I I have it now. So it's a breakdown of 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 who of who was killed and how they did it. Uh, on what basis they're saying. So this this is the original AFP one. Um, <clears throat> okay, scroll down. Um, okay, the final death toll of civilians is 695. Mm-hmm. That's a far cry from 1,400 they were implying. Whatever. Includes 36 children. Uh, foreigners giving a total of 1,139. Okay, um... Okay, scroll down. You probably need to go all the way down to social under the head, the subheading social security figures. So they did it by basically finally actually putting checking their own social security database. Um, the, the biggest takeaway from this is that. Uh, if you keep scrolling, even the AFP mentions this. This is why they're in such, like, even like in Washington, London, and Paris, they're in serious trouble here, or at least they would be anyway if it was any other country um, because of their initial claims. Okay, keep scrolling. I'm not sure what I'm looking for here. Uh, I think it's the, <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay. They give some examples of the names of kids killed. They write, the data gives a clear picture of the scale of the atrocities, okay, but it also invalidates some statements by Israeli authorities in the days following the attack. In particular, remember, 40 babies murdered at a kibbutz. Mm -hmm. AFP is basically saying, it's bullshit, didn't happen. Their own data now finally confirms that that was fake news. Um, Another testimony called into question... A claim by an IDF colonel who told a group of journalists that he personally transported a, quote, decapitated baby found in the arms of his mother in the Barry Kibbutz. Um, bullshit, because only one baby, now we now know it was killed in the Barry Kibbutz. Ten-month-old Mila Cohen, whose mother survived. And then the AFP tries to give an explanation. Well, you see, trauma and misinterpretation. Yeah. It's been 10 weeks. It's traumatic. In the heat of the moment, people just, you know, uh, they get some things wrong. Come on. It was three weeks after that they finally brought in international journalists, or maybe two weeks, mm. into some of these places. And they calmly and methodically told them they had... Um, <clears throat> Civilian rescuers, the Israeli version of the ambulance service, um, first responders, give presentations to the journalists and say, yeah, I was in this house over here just down the street. Oof, ten, ten dead babies, one in an oven, you know, stuff like that. Mm. Basically, a shitload of people lied through their teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was car- The whole thing is carefully choreographed and stage-managed event. It was mass murder of Israelis by Israelis in order to justify what Israel has wanted to do for 20-plus years, had plans to do for 20-plus years, and they couldn't do it because obviously the plan is what you're seeing happen right now, which is the mass destruction of Palestine, Palestine, the rest of Palestine and the Palestinian people. Uh, They've wanted their final solution, and I'm not using that 
term, uh, you know, lightly or, you know, um, I'm not I'm not using it um, disingenuously. I think it is exactly the same as the way the term was used originally in, in, in Nazi Germany. It was a final solution to the and then it was the Jewish the Jewish problem, as they said, or the minorities problem. And now it's the final solution to the Palestinian problem, and it's the, the Israeli Jews that are um, are carrying it out. So, I mean, that's just the reality of the situation, yeah. you know. I mean, and we've we've been, you know, immersed in this reality in that sense, or confronted with this reality for a very long time, and on, on many different other topics, um, or many different other many other events that have happened over the years that are quite clearly kind of inside jobs of one description, one, one type yeah. or another. And it's, it's very simple. I mean, when a government like Israel has wanted to destroy the Palestinian people but had no justification for doing it and needed to create the justification itself, it's not fucking rocket science. Sorry for my French there. French are always... French language is full of very bad words in English, but... Um, it's not rocket science. Um, it's very simple and it's it's cold calculating, but that's how politicians, especially psychotypes, uh, operate. They simply say, listen, we need a bunch of dead Israelis. We need a large number of dead Israelis in order to justify killing 20, 30, 40 times as many Palestinians and, and bringing a solution to this problem. So, well, how are we going to do that? Well, Hamas is going to have to, quote-unquote, kill all these people. But they're not able to do that, sir, because they don't have the means even to get out of Gaza, really, and, and, and wage any effective campaign outside of Gaza because we have this fence and there's no way they can get out. We're going to have to facilitate them getting out, and then we're going to have to... But then the problem, sir, with that is that Hamas, generally speaking, doesn't go around killing civilians. It'll attack our soldiers and kill our soldiers, etc., but it won't, generally speaking, cause mass murder amongst the, 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 the civilian population because, well, like any group in their position throughout history at least through modern history, they realise that that's a very bad idea in terms of because they, they rely heavily on international support for their plight and their their oppression. Uh, and therefore, if they're seen to be a bunch of mass murderers of civilians, then they're going to lose all that support. So they, generally speaking, they don't kill civilians. Um, <clears throat> well, in that case, then we're going to have to kill the civilians. And in the fog of war type situation and with our media and with our statements, we can easily make it look like they did it. We'll provide the evidence. So we get some kind of death squad to come in there uh, or, or, you know, members of the Israeli military or some kind of paramilitary group from somewhere uh, that comes in and just slaughters a bunch of people at this at this uh, rave and in the kibbutzes. We can get several hundred people dead that way and we'll put pin it on Hamas. And then before the shoe is even dropped, we're going to be straight into, uh, into Gaza and we're going to finally get to, to, to do what we want to do for so long. It's very simple. And have you, is, is, is it hyperbole or not that this is the worst military action? I, I'm afraid to, I don't even know if I can call it a war because mm. a war is between war, two no. armies. Two um, states. Um, uh, state. Is this the worst state. ever? I mean, do you, do you know of anything like this in history? You, you, for example, in modern history, you, you watch closely day by day the Iraq war. Yeah. How does this compare? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't compare, and it doesn't compare. For I mean, there's been very many similar type things have, have been done in modern history, but not the, the difference in this one, in this situation is that uh, it's being done flagrantly, flagrantly in front of everyone's faces, and it's being done by you know openly um, without any apologies, without any attempt to restrain themselves, and done while flipping the bird at the entire world public opinion by a supposed 
Western democracy in the Middle East. America's best friend, mm. the best friend of Europe, European democracies, who they all support, and they're basically mass murdering civilians in front of everybody's face, and everybody gets to see it. They, previous previous events, want to, previous events was done in obscurity. There was no video. There was no video of it, but yeah. they're, they're doing it openly. Yeah, they seem to want to do it. They seem to want to to challenge people. It's an attempt to to normalize suppose, it. To normalize it, an, an attempt to kind of pull people to the dark side in a certain sense, not to be dramatic, but to, to corrupt people's sense of morality and conscience by getting them to accept that this is okay because of what they did to us. Mm. Uh, and to the extent that anybody does that and, and thinks that it's okay or that it's well, that's just how, how things happen and Israel has a right to defend itself, blah, 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 blah. Uh, they're corrupting people's consciences. Uh, to the extent that they're able to do that with anybody. But the lines seem to be fairly well drawn. People, there's, there's just people out there who have a conscience and it's not going to go away anytime soon. And there are people there who, out there who have never had a conscience and they're the ones who are supporting, uh, supporting Israel. They're also extremely ignorant and stupid people. And, you know, they're, they're PhDs, they're professors, they're etc. Or RFK Jr. Yeah, all of them. Extremely, the stu- extremely ignorant, stupid people. Um, Bobby, no. Yeah. Um, this week, so, they, they, it seems to get worse every week. This week, we have footage of Israeli IDF bulldozers bulldozing people into the ground. Supposedly, there were people in tents taking shelter outside another hospital, and yeah. the bulldozer just either, either killed them or maybe they were already corpses. It's hard to know, but definitely. In, in that were, case, it's, were bo- it's body, desecration. They were live or dead bodies bulldozed. There's an Al Jazeera report of a an IDF massacre of well, not I don't know how many, but of some amount of civilians taking shelter in a school in northern Gaza. Um, don't know if we want to play that. It was only a dozen people. I mean, how do you pick out which atrocities to draw attention to? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there are more journalists have been targeted. Um, they killed three of their own hostages this week. Three three yeah. soldiers who were taken hostage and had been hostages since October seventh. Were they, they, were they soldiers? Yep. Jesus uh, Christ! They were waving white flags, shouting partially Don't shoot undressed in, he- in Hebrew. Uh, yep. Yeah. And they and they, but I mean, you got you got to question whether or not that's uh, maybe, but depending on the position they were in and whether they could get to them or not. Uh, there's the Hannibal Directive, right, where that might come into play there, where you basically just kill those guys anyway, because if there's a chance that, they, that they're about to be retaken or recaptured, then you just kill them. You know what I mean? When three, if basically any of these really hostages come out, right, if they somehow manage to escape from their tunnels, wherever they're being held, um, if the, IDA, the IOF, the Israeli Occupation Forces, are able to get them, then that's all, all the good. But if it looks like they can't get them, you know, if they're, they're going to be recaptured, then, and if the opportunity arises, the Israeli uh, military will, under the Hannibal Directive, kill those people because that's that's second best to actually getting the hostages home. Is is there being dead hostages? Yeah. The Israeli government and the military, maybe not the rank and file military, but the military command, the Israeli government, don't care about the hostages. They they want them back home or dead yeah. as soon as possible. However, they die. It doesn't matter. Uh, if they were able to identify where the bulk, the, I'm sure the hostages aren't being ha- kept together. There's maybe a hundred or, or a hundred plus left. They're not all being kept in the same place, which makes it difficult. If they were all in the same place, and the Israeli uh, government and military found out about it, they would happily bomb that yeah, location to, to kill them all. 
because then that that whole hostage thing is just it's a pain in the ass and it's off our backs now. We don't have to worry about it anymore. We can just you know we don't have to pander to yeah, public yeah. opinion anymore. You know we don't have to like go carefully and well the, the, this killing of two of their own sparked more protests in yeah. Tel Aviv. Yeah. Um, I, it's an alien mindset. It is. Yeah. Speaking of aliens, they're, I can't get my head around it. So yeah. it's they're they're just psychopaths. It's, basically. it's bonkers. Um, I just sent you um, a photo. Uh, people have seen this, I'm sure. Let, I, I want to discuss it for a second. Uh, who's who's publishing these? I presume it's the Israelis themselves. This is mm. last week. There were yeah. a few similar images. You remember they were rounding up guys mm. on the streets, blindfolded, in their cacks. Where the whole world's told they're Hamas. They're taken to a pit. A sand pit like this. This is from this week, and the kind of implied messages. And then we shot them. Yeah. Um, they didn't, as, as I mentioned last week. They did actually re- return most of them, I guess, mm-hmm. back to wherever they picked them up. So this is an even larger group of people. I presume they're mostly male, but they may not be all male. There were yeah. definitely women in the trucks last week. Look at the guy with the with the. Um, with what's the, going on in the foreground? Well, I first thought it was a doctored image, but it's all being filmed, as we've seen. He's got lights. It's propaganda. He's setting up lights for filming. Somebody ID'd one or two of those guys in the foreground. Being One is a doctor. We're taken from one of the hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they've done more propaganda stuff. They went into a hospital and they claimed they, and they opened up an incubator-type mm-hmm. machine device for babies, you know, like and claimed they found explosives. <laughs> yeah, right. um, so, yeah, they want, they published that image. Like, the whole thing is set up, like, you've got the kind of sandbar, like, that's that's what you do, and when you line people, like, against me, you shoot them. That's yeah. what it's for. It's a shooting range, so that when the bullets miss them, they don't go willy-nilly, well, they hit the... In a way, they're, they're not, conveying it's, that it's image. It's a temporary holding, it, they are, but it's a temporary holding as well. It makes it easier for them to, you know, to see anybody trying to escape, right? Right. But, no, I'm not saying that that... No, that, that, yeah. that, that what it implies, because <clears throat> certainly they're they're capable of doing. It. They have absolutely no no um, <clears throat> respect at all for Palestinian life, <laughs> and they see it less than less than animals, basically. Uh, and that's you know just exposes them as the actual animals. If but the the problem is the problem is well, there's there's two there's two things. One is um, I think I sent here. There it is again, Scotty. You can put that one up. Um, this is sums up the attitude or the attitude of Palestinians towards the whole situation. Have a read. وحضرني على أرض صامدة لآخر نقطة دم في روحي لآخر نفس فيها لما يعني خلاص هيك يبطل فيها نفس أنا خنق أموت بعديها بندفن حتى في أرضي بندفن تحت بندفن تحت الزراعة الزراعة في أرضي بدأ نزرعنا. ما بدك تسيبي ارضك بالمره بالمره رغم انك هلا كثير بردانه ويمكن جوعانه وما في ادويه والوضع صعب برضه مش حتطلعي برضه مش حطلع حضرنا صامدين هل قد بتحبي فلسطين اه هل قد اطفال فلسطين ما بتخلوش عنها زي ما حكت لبنانيه انا دم فلسطيني انا دم فلسطيني سو ليتل بوي يا ويل اي مين شي اي ثينك شي Echoes the sentiments of the vast majority of Palestinians that they're not going anywhere, and uh, Israel can kill them all if if it if it wants, if it's allowed to, if the, if the world allows Israel to kill them all, uh, mass murder, genocide. Then um, go ahead, um, but we're not going anywhere, and it's not unique to Palestinians that sentiment. They're you going know, hungry. Come, now. 
yeah, when it comes to land, uh, it's not unique to Palestinians. Uh, that that sense of you know, I don't care. I'll die here. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not bowing down. I'm not running away in the face of this kind of psychopathy and evil. Uh, I'm not being pushed out of where I live, my homeland. I'm staying here, and you can do whatever you want. And I'll fight. You know, I'll fight. I'll fight with everybody. I'll fight if I can. If I can't fight, I'll still stay. Yeah, it doesn't That's matter. From, it doesn't yeah. matter. So, it, and of course, then you have, um, then you have the, the psychos in Israel, who are, you know, it's kind of like a, an unstoppable force and an immovable object in a certain sense. Although, hopefully, the Israelis are an unstoppable or are a stoppable force somehow or other. But um, Netanyahu this this week said that Israel. Uh, doesn't care about international support or public opinion and will pursue uh, declared its determination Wednesday to press on with its Gaza war with or without international support. Um, so, and then on top of that you have... Which is bluff, because he can't do anything without Washington. Yeah, which means that he, he knows that he, he should be pretty sure that... That he can rely on that. That he rely on that support anyway. Although, this week also, just a few days ago... Uh, a diplomat, in fact, a French diplomat in in in, in the French foreign ministry, or in, it was actually in a residential house. Um, was that house was targeted, and the French citizen, I suppose, and he actually works for the foreign ministry. The French, French foreign ministry was killed uh, on a residential house in southern southern Gaza. Wow, um, that's interesting. And then France has called for, as a result of that. We presume France has called for an, imme- an, imme- an immediate ceasefire, huh? He's dead. Yeah, this yeah. is news today. Yeah, crazy. Now that's so, so France today two, called for a, a ceasefire, which other countries haven't done yet. That's the first time Ooh. a European country has called, or one of the main European countries have one called of the for big ones. an immediate Belgium ceasefire. Belgium and Spain, their leaders yeah. were there outside, yeah. outside Rafa two weeks ago, saying likewise. Um, Rafa is, of course. As far south from Gaza, yeah, again, it's on the border with Egypt. This is where you and to remember go. the AI oversight mm-hmm. the Israelis have. That's probably not accidental. No, that's a message to France mm-hmm. that was targeted. Crazy that they don't care. They don't care. Um, here's another. Here's another video from this week. Um, we're gonna. This is. <laughs> you've all seen the destruction in the north of Gaza from the airstrikes in the first few weeks. So this is an area long since. There's no one here. Go ahead and play that. <clears throat> but this week, there's no Hamas to clear out. There's no residents, no, no civilians, nothing. They went in and they, they demolished. <clears throat> I don't think that's an overhead strike. I think that's demolitions over a huge quarter and a half. They demolished what they've already destroyed. Mm-hmm. And that reminded me that, like, you know, if they're serious... There are noises, like serious noises from in Israel proper that there's an agenda to level this place mm-hmm. and get it rebuilt ASAP mm-hmm. and fill it with Israelis. So the, an Israeli MP apparently confirmed this this week. She, she, um, she's a member of some far-right, not her group, I don't remember the names, Settler herself, says she uh, told Israeli media she'd been in talks with Netanyahu and he agreed with her that it's imperative. Her name is Limor Son. The weird name Limor Son Har Melek. Um, she told Israeli media that um, we need to get Israelis in there building as fast as possible. Like, to, like that's that's the urgency to get the facts on the ground before anyone can stop them. Um, and then I saw this. 
it's all in Hebrew, so we have to take the poster's interpretation of what it says at face value. I think we'll see that he is himself either Israeli or Jewish, so he probably can read Hebrew. <clears throat> He's got a series of posts. Um, <clears throat> Earlier this, early this week, a coalition of settler organizations held the Practical Preparation for Gaza Settlement Conference. Um, okay, scroll down. Following the conference, ads were taken out stating, quote, Gaza is a land of Israel. Fight, liberate, settle. That's the slogan, apparently, on that um, piece of comms from this, this organization or this conference. Those interested are invited to call a registration hotline for <laughs> re-established settlements in Gaza. <clears throat> okay, next one. Uh... Hare Zahav, a settlement development enterprise, is advertising for Gaza settlements. Quote, a house on the beach is not a dream. We have begun clearing rubble and fencing off squatters. And there they have a rough sketch-up mock-up of an architect's design for beachfront villas. Mm -hmm. I mean, the shitheads didn't even bother air, air, <laughs> airbrushing out what remains of the ruins. They just went ahead and started overlaying the fucking designs of what, what they envisaged this is going to look like. And actually, there's one more which goes the, the full Monty, I think, the, the full glossy brochure. They, they've got their... Maybe that's a mock-up and not a specific actual layout for a town, but um, you can see how serious and advanced this is. This is the conversation they're having. The rest of the world's having a totally different conversation. This is what they're talking about in Israel. Mm-hmm. At least some of them. I don't want to generalize all of them, but maybe scroll down. Is there one more? There should be one, maybe one more glossy image. No, that's the end of it. So, yeah, my God. Okay, so it's the end of the year. What's happening next? Um, Times of Israel reported that Israel is definitely preparing for war with Hezbollah. Uh, mm. I we're going to do to Hezbollah what we just did. They're, we're pushing them back 30 kilometers to the Litani River. And by Hezbollah, they mean every living thing, of course, probably. Um, <clears throat> now, you might say, oh, yeah, well, that's been, uh, I know, that's been rumored and on the cards, obviously, since day one. Hezbollah are engaged with Israel. But on the back of Israel's national security advisor stating this, and the Times of Israel reporting it in international media last week, Here's another one in the hill. This is an op-ed written by a dual Israeli-American neocon type guy. Works for some think tank, pro-Israel, maybe APAC. America must plan for Israel's likely 2024 war with Hezbollah. I, it's happening, and we're dragging America into it. Yeah, Happy New Year. Mm. <clears throat> the Tiny River is pretty far back. It's about... Uh, from the actual border between um, Israel and Lebanon. It's about 40 kilometers, you know. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of people there. Uh, so, yeah, you can't push people back behind the Tani River without uh, some major large-scale uh, conflict, you know. Yeah. In the meantime, um, it's still just the Houthis. And yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how much... <laughs> people have stills of videos of ships on fire... 
the Houthis mm. claim they hit this and that. Mm. So definitely one cargo. Um, there's some pushback. Uh, Maersk, the was once, maybe not anymore, the larger shipping company on the earth, mm. has ordered all its container ship traffic to bypass the Red Sea and go all the way down Africa, mm-hmm. up to Europe and North America. So that right there is going to, you're going to feel that in your um, shipping delays. In your, Amazon, in your Amazon deliveries. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so that's having some effect. Um, they, they, it's dodgy. They're keeping a lid on it. Mm. I think it, the Houthis are doing it. Only when they produce videos themselves of landing on the decks of ships mm-hmm. and you know commandos getting out of helicopters do we actually see that they're not just talking smack. They're doing some action. But there's... There's some kind of like dome of silence placed over the whole thing mm-hmm. by Israel and the United States. Yeah, the, and, there's two, and it's open to interpretation, right? Now you can say, "Oh, that's because the Houthis are really, really having an effect," and they, for propaganda purposes, they just want to airbrush it out, mm. or it's not really, and they're just biding their time with which to, to use it to justify either smacking Yemen proper or getting. Uh, Saudi Arabia to restart its war there. Mm. Yeah, 2024, the Middle East um, is going to catch fire to some extent or another. It's going to be mental. Do you remember what uh, we just watched earlier on, um, Putin talking about uh, in the first part of that interview um, where he talked about Finland? Um, And he said specifically the West took Finland and dragged it into NATO. (coughs) Why did... Why? Did we have any disputes with Finland? All disputes, including those of a territorial nature in the middle of the 20th century, have all been resolved long ago. There were no problems, but now there will be because we will now create the Leningrad military district there and definitely concentrate military units there. Hmm. So we're going to have to do that. But this, uh, if you go back to the, the, the headline, uh, this, this, that, that's, how, that's how CNN reported that. Now, how does the average person, when they read that headline, interpret that? Oh, that Putin and his warmongering again. Right? Yeah. It's true what the government has been saying that we need to stop Putin in Ukraine because otherwise, he's, once, he, once he wins in Ukraine, he's going to come into Euro, in European countries, right? He's going to attack NATO. It's, yeah, so they specifically took, Finland. Dragged them. So we just put into NATO. <laughs> right, exactly. And he explained it. He said, listen, they, they put Finland into NATO. There's no problems. We had resolved all territorial disputes. And now they go on, join NATO, and, build, and, and put uh, weapons on our border in Finland. So we're going to have to respond to that. Right, which is, i.e., this is not what we wanted. You forced this on us. You're yeah. being aggressive towards us. But the the CNN headline is Putin warns of problems with neighboring Finland. I'm going to get those Finns. That's what Putin says. You know, so it's, it's so disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. He's trying um, to recreate the old Russian Empire, bring Finland back into it. Yeah. Blah blah blah. So, uh, they love him, really. Do you know that? Look what, at him. What would they do with him? He's so lovable. What would they do without him or Trump, actually? Mm. Um, this might be a sign of the times. In fact, I guarantee you it is. The Zuck. Mark Zuckerberg. Get ready for it. He's no. preparing to go back underground. What rock did he crawl out of under? Out from under? Doomsday Bunker. Mark Zuckerberg building Doomsday Bunker. He's a liberal. Why would he apparently that? believes in the end. End times. Forty started working on a hundred million family compound that would include a in Hawaii. 
5,000 square foot underground <coughs> bunker featuring an escape hatch and tunnel leading to two connecting mansions. Well, he looks like he came from underground, so he's just going back to his natural habitat. And Hawaii. While in the, in the U.S. Senate, um, celebrations on the 17th annual passing of the so-called Democratic NDAA were underway when a staffer was caught filming gay porn in one of the chambers. All very normal. Wonderful, oh. wonderful people <clears throat> they employ, uh, those Democratic senators. That's a bit of diversity there. He's, he's up in his diversity quotient, I think. <clears throat> yeah. 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 God bless America. God love America. Chuck <clears throat> um, Burr's National Habitat Underground, exactly. Um, Tucker, Tucker Carlson has been interviewing everyone these days. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Jones did that, yeah. you know. Yeah, get your get the ball horn on. Yeah, get the get the old seventeen seventy six will commence again going. Um, I thought his most notable interview though was with uh, Grush, David Grush. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not really a whistleblower because he's still formally employed and he's doing everything by the book. I suppose he's kind of a whistleblower. Um, he's been talking lots lately, uh, not just to Tucker but with Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the first time he mentioned it. He mentioned it in June, that first crash, UFO crash retrieval. Mm. That never, that's not in the UFO lore. Yeah, it is. It is? Yeah. In northern Italy? Yeah. Okay. I I thought it really, it, they really everyone agreed it began with Roswell. Yeah. Post-World War II. Apart well, from, there were, there were sightings, but the first retrieval... The first retrieval of a craft without any, no, there's no mention of any, any biologics, as they call them. Um, it's just some artifact or some, some kind of part of a craft or something like that in Italy in 1933. Well, Roswell stood out because it was alleged to be, to be um, those uh, jelly, jelly-like grey alien things. Ah, um, uh, biologics. The biologics. The word were included, whereas yeah. the one in Italy was just an... They're like big versions of those. You know, get get those things that you get for kids. It's like in the shape of a little man or something. You throw it at the ceiling and it sticks. That's what the grey aliens are like. They're just bigger versions of that. Yeah, you you throw them. You throw them against the wall and they stick. Is that all you're going to say about the aliens? Then, yeah, yeah. The Tucker Carlson interviewing everybody and anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, you remember Grush spoke to Congress twice yeah. in uh, June. Mm-hmm. It got a lot of attention and there was people like, holy shit, you know, they're taking this seriously? They seemed to be. Um, his hope was that by now or whenever Congress would pass, basically like a full, not full, it would never be full, but a substantial um, documents disclosure board would oversee the release of the bulk of the billions or however many documents the U.S. has on this topic. Because hmm. Grush is motivated because he's seen enough to realize there's a whole architecture here 
within U.S. government agencies and or private corps contractors affiliated with the government. So he's satisfied that it's real. But he's like, I'm looking at this. A lot of this can just be published. It doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. Let's get it out there. So anyway, th- he was hoping that speaking to Congress in June and speaking to the media nonstop since then would generate momentum. And he got backers. He got Chuck Schumer to agree mm-hmm. that the Democrats in the Senate would support basically setting up a JFK assassinations mm-hmm. records type thing. I'm serious. That that was what they, that, and they agreed on paper, on paper. That's what they agreed to do. That's it. That's since come to pass. It was tossed in with the same NDAA omnibus bill, but it's watered down. It's mm. not disclosure all. And he's, he's, he's pissed off about it. He's been speaking to the press the J- and saying, the JFK, is saying, I'm disappointed. It's not what. The JFK uh, assassinations uh, records was was very successful, isn't it? And outing the culprits, right? Well, well, uh, the bulk of, bulk of it has been released by now. Yeah, but um, yeah, the key ones aren't. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. There's a precedent there for that kind of thing being a limited hangout, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, do you care what Elon Musk thinks about aliens? <laughs> In a kind of passing. You'd think this guy, kind of a geeky kind of guy, he's into space, he's mm. into tech, he's into spreading civilizations, he's sowing civilizations' oats yeah. all over the place. Yeah. He'd be right up there, right? Yeah. With an inter, at least have an interest in it. Yeah. Um, apparently not. Maybe this is just one of his dissimulating things that he plays down what he knows. But for the record, his official word on it as of now is that humankind is most likely the only species in this part of the galaxy with a consciousness. Musk told an audience in Italy on Saturday, comparing our species to a quote tiny candle in a vast darkness. Well. Apparently not, but um, he'll be surprised. The crazy thing is that I've seen no evidence of aliens whatsoever. Right. What, like as in one walking up to you and knocking on your door or something? <laughs> uh, well, that's not the kind of evidence we're, that we're talking about here, uh, Elon. It's, it's very narrow. It's program. a very narrow... Uh, it reminds me of like, I don't know... Grass Tyson, mm-hmm. the mainstream astronomy yes. take. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, it's a vast, vast universe, so it's possible, but nah. Mm. Like, dude, seriously? Are you not, like, watching what's going on with Grush and Tucker Carlson going, holy shit, there's mm-hmm. something real to this? And many other figures, too. Some in the know, some just mainstream journalists who've turned sides on this and gone public with, mm-hmm. well, and gone public, they, they, they've talked to key people. And they take this seriously. Mm-hmm. You would think this guy who's so up on, you know, pushing the boundary mm-hmm. on everything to expand what's acceptable in the mainstream. Yeah, but he doesn't like it. It's too scary. He's scared. I think he shows himself to be quite the materialist. Yeah. He is, obviously. This. When you think about his colonized Mars and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and we have to leave the planet. And also, um, he probably has a lot to lose if there's any, like, you know, alien along with their tech came along that blew his uh, his Teslas and his uh, diff- different uh, technologies out of, out of the water. Like he, he, he they're direct competition, you know, uh, so he doesn't want any competition. So he chooses not to believe in, in the competition. <laughs> anyway, uh, we leave it there. Yeah. Yes. Predictions for 2024. Uh, more shade. 
More shy. <laughs> well, more wars. We, we think yeah, that's like obviously going to happen. General, general, term, um, general term for stuff that goes on this planet. 2024 <laughs> election. Let's, let's stick with your Joe's, no, Joe's I don't prediction. Know if it's be, hung election, nobody yeah, gets it. I, don't, that, I think that, that might have... It might have gone that way, but I think it's going to be superseded by something by something else. There's going to be some kind of a, um, I don't know. I can't be sure. It's well another possibility. Let's say is that some kind of a major war in the Middle East spills over and creates, you know, Oil, some kind of a energy major crisis. crisis where continuity of government or whatever something has to be suspended. Election has to be suspended for national security. Uh, something along those lines. Um, what's her name? Um, Webb, Whitney Webb. Yeah, she's suggesting a cyber pandemic scenario uh, is on the cards. What's a cyber pandemic? It's like viruses, COVID nineteen tabletop exercises, but for the internet, and it powers down the grid briefly, and they restart everything. But it's central digital bank currencies and a new controlled internet where you have to be. Register to your ID. Mm. You can't just be a non anymore mm. for everything: commentary, purchases, paying bills, paying taxes, a whole shebang. But that's the architecture, the ideal they'd want. But maybe not all of that. She said the immediate urgency, impetus for it would be to help facilitate some shenanigans around the election. So, cyber and or because she's found that so many Israelis have interest in the kind of tech involved here. So and their obsession was, is with getting Iran, so yeah. justifying something, a cyber attack from Iran. Yeah, but I've obviously in that said case, a lot it's there. war in the Middle East, like, you know what I mean? That and, covers and, war in the Middle East. And I mean, actual war, physical war in the Middle East is going to have a far bigger impact than some kind of cyber, and she should call it cyber 9-11, not cyber, cyber pandemic. A cyber 9-11. I don't know, I'm not sure what she called she it. She called it cyber pandemic, but it should be cyber, cyber 9-11, basically, which is like an inside job. Which uh, is like... Nine eleven digitized to the yeah, power of shutting 10. down the grid or whatever, but you know uh, a war in the Middle East could shut down at least partially shut down the grid pretty soon as well because of uh, uh, the grid ultimately runs on oil. You know. Uh, either way, it's economic. Either way, true war. Either way, we're talking about yeah, it's yeah, like doom. Nine eleven times, times a million. Yeah, at least a million. Um, doom scroll. Just get your just get your doom scrolling fingers. Uh, your doom scrolling finger, you know, uh, prepped for oh, for all the doom scrolling. You're after have to all do this year, year. I, I need a doom. I need my finger needs like massage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chiropractic. Get your fingers massaged. So you can doom scroll <laughs> at at light speed next year. Uh, of course, you know, next year is a long enough time. So bit by bit. Anyway, you'll have to wait and see. But uh, so yeah, we'll probably not be back unless some some major doom happens between now and the end of the year we'll probably not be back until the next new year two sun- so to say two Sundays from now well that'll be the 31st so we're talking about th- are we going to be here on the 31st you might be <laughs> <laughs> well whatever maybe so we'll see um, but yeah we're on we're on holidays it's getting close to Christmas and it's you know we need a holiday now again um, so um, yeah wherever you are whatever you're doing have a good break hopefully get a break and thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. No, we won't. <laughs> we'll be back at some point in the future with another show um, after the holidays. Uh, until then, have fun. See you Merry later. Christmas. Thanks for watching. Merry Bye, Christmas. Everyone. Can't stop the signal now.